This episode of the Garage Build podcast was recorded live in the Hell on Wheels Law Fran Studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or visit lawfran.com. The Fran Hosh Law Group, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for 20 years. For 30 years, Badlands Modules has produced American-made lighting modules for American V-Twins and custom motorcycles. And for the last two decades, NAMS Custom Cycle Products has supplied builders and bikers with top-shelf wiring solutions for their projects, no matter the scope. Today, NAMS and Badlands proudly introduce premium LED lighting options from Electric Lighting Company. Go to electriclighting.com and use the discount code SPEED2020, and you'll receive free shipping on all orders over $100 in the lower 48. You can also follow Electric Lighting Company on Instagram at Electric Lighting Co. That's electric, L-E-T-R-I-C. So you've heard all about Fix Your Lids grooming products. Personally, I use the Extreme Hold Pomade the most, but they offer much more than that. They also offer styling gel, shampoos and conditioners, a forming cream, a styling fiber, and a regular hold pomade. And the best part is 100% of all Fix Your Lid products are made in the USA, right down to the packaging. Fix Your Lid products are available online at shopfyl.com, and they'll ship them right to your door. Fix Your Lid styling products, cruelty-free and proudly made in the USA. For five decades, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company has produced mind-bending custom motorcycles and cutting-edge parts for American-made motorcycles and custom-built V-twins. From their new 10-gauge engine covers to performance air cleaners and exhaust systems, the Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company continues to lead the charge for the next generation of custom builders. Visit ArlenNess.com and enter the code GARAGEBUILT10 to save 10% on orders over $100. The Arlen Ness Motorcycle Company, family-owned and operated for 50 years. By now, I'm sure you've heard me talk all about my workwear from 1620 USA. Here's what you need to know. 1620 workwear is 10 times more abrasion resistant than traditional workwear, and it lasts up to five times longer than the workwear you're already wearing. Their stretch fabrics move with you and not against you and need no break-in period. You deserve the best workwear that is made right here in the USA, period. Visit 1620USA.com and use the discount code SPEEDMETAL and you'll save 20% at checkout. You can also follow them on Instagram at 1620USA. 1620 Workwear, made in the USA and guaranteed for life. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hell on Wheels Garage Built Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hallman. Thank you for joining me. This is episode 49. I'm almost to 50. My goal is 60 for the year. Um, I sat down with David Laudermilch from SNS Cycle up in Wisconsin. David is one of the, or the, I'm not sure which it is, uh, pro stock engine builders for the Indian race teams. And he knows a ton about motorcycles. And he also builds tools. And the tools that he build, we use here at the shop. And that's kind of how I came to know David. Uh, he builds a set of tools using a 3D printer and a dial indicator that allow you to check the runout of your crankshaft without removing the crankshaft from the engine. It's really clever design. And he has them for XLs, Evos, twin cams, shovels. Obviously, the Evo and the shovel are going to be the same. And he has it for the new M8 as well. And we own all those tools. And Super happy with him, and uh, he has a lot of information. I didn't realize until we sat down that he is from the same hometown as me, and we have some mutual friends. It's always that way. It's so weird. I always tell people we have the smallest billion-dollar industry, and I just can't seem to put my head around it. It seems like I could call one or two people and get anyone on the phone. It's, it's pretty awesome when you really scale it up and realize how small 
of a circle we all really exist in. So it kind of makes me happy. It kind of warms the soul a little bit. So uh, make sure that you check out our vendors and support them. We appreciate that, or our sponsors rather. Also, go to cfwheelsofsteel.com. It's the indoor custom motorcycle show, the largest one of its kind in Florida. It's something that we do every year for the Polk County Early Learning Coalition. Why is that important? Well, it's important to me because it makes sure that 12,000 kids in our community get free volunteer pre-kindergarten. And there's an also a killer nursing program that I won't go into here, but it definitely benefits the community. 100% of the proceeds go right back into the Polk County Early Learning Coalition, which is near and dear to my heart. So if you go to cfwheelsofsteel.com, get yourself tickets to come to the show. If you just want to come and hang out, it's $10 pre-sale each day. Uh, if you want to show your motorcycle, it's 40 bucks to show your motorcycle for the whole weekend, and you're going to get the one-day pass for yourself for each day. So it's really only $20 extra to show your bike. So and remember, all proceeds go to the Polk County Early Learning Coalition. Also, there is a Best in Show Award. This is a legacy award. I kind of copied this after the Riddler Award in the Detroit Autorama. And we named it after my dad. My dad, Rick Hallman, was a custom motorcycle builder throughout the 70s and 80s, and he's no longer with us. But we wanted to carry on his spirit, and he would have loved this part. So how it works is it is an artist-owned trophy. No politics, no voting, no nothing. Last year, the trophy was built by Mr. Brian Butera from Butera's Metalworks. He picked the winner, Kyle Ray Rice, who is another fantastic artist, and he agreed once he wins, if you win the trophy, you have to agree to build the trophy for the following year and make the selection of the bike. That way there's no politicking involved. It's an artist-owned trophy. Rad recognizes Rad. So we want this trophy to be something that is coveted and that people want to win. They want to have their name on it like a Stanley Cup kind of deal. Even though the trophy is going to change every year, we're going to make sure that those individuals are recognized for the lifetime of this show. And we hope that this show never goes away. We hope that we're doing this 10, 20 years from now. So I appreciate everybody that has helped. We have 16, 17 builders, something like that. We just added Mr. Bill Dodge, which warms my heart. It wasn't that long ago that we didn't know if Bill was going to make it or not. He went through a tough, tough recovery. He's still not, he's completely out of the woods. He's still just not back in the shop. So let's put it that way. But his bike, the new bike, the pandemic, if you haven't seen it, check out his Instagram feed, Bling Cycles. It's amazing. It's a fantastic motorcycle. I saw it yesterday with my own two eyes. It's, it's fantastic. So we're excited to have that there this year to unveil that and show it off. There's so many events got canceled this year. And uh, we're glad that we didn't have to cancel ours. If you're coming to stay overnight, we've negotiated rates at the Hyatt uh, Hotel that's in the RP Funding Center parking lot. So call them, tell them you're there for the wheels of steel. You'll get a good rate for the for the night and for the weekend. So lots of builders, lots of fun, lots of good stuff, lots of vendors. So it's going to be an amazing show. So on to the rest of the podcast. Episode 49 Mr. David Laudermilch of Milch Racing and SNS Cycles. Podcast with your host, Jake. 
Hello. Hey, hey. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. All right. Yeah, everything's good, man. It's uh, it's still like eighty-seven degrees, and it's seven o'clock at night here. So, and I know you're, right. you're in Wisconsin, I hate you. so it's probably <laughs> twenty-eight degrees and uh, kind of shitty out. I would imagine. Yeah, we got snow on the ground right now. It snowed over the weekend, and yeah, already. Uh, yeah, it's not supposed to, but it's not. That's Wisconsin, buddy. You're in Janesville, right? Uh, no, I'm in, I'm actually, I live in Cashton. Uh, Janesville is south Wisconsin. I guess I'm a little bit north and a little bit west All right, of, so... uh, of Janesville. It's kind of, I guess, over by La Crosse, if you know where La oh, okay. Crosse is. Okay, yeah, because you work at SNS, right? Can we talk about that or no? Yeah, we can talk about that. Okay, cool. I used to know, um... I used to know a lot of people at SNS back in the day because I had a shop up in Michigan, uh, JR Cycle Works. It's now called Plymouth Cycle and Speed. I don't know if you know Evan over there. He's married to Trish that used to work for Baker. Uh, but that was my that was my shop that I started with my dad in 03, and we moved down to Florida, chasing sunshine in 2010, started Cycle Stop USA. So, oh, that's cool. That's <laughs> that's funny because I I used to work at ABC Harley Davidson in Waterford. Did you um, really? From 2000, I don't know, 2012? I can't remember when I started. I think it was 2012 to 2015. What the hell brought you to Michigan? That's where I grew up. Really? You're from Michigan? What part of Michigan? Uh, Waterford. That's where I grew up. Oh, shit. <laughs> wow. Yep. Okay. Well, I guess we're fellow Detroiters. That's something else we have in common. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I am grew up down in uh, Westland, Inkster, Garden City. And then uh, lived, okay. in, lived yep. in Canton and Plymouth before I uh, before I moved down here. So my wife and I just had enough of the fucking. Rain. I couldn't stand the weather anymore, man. I couldn't deal with it. Yeah, it's it gets tough sometimes, man. I tell you what, Wisconsin is harder. <laughs> I, <laughs> I you imagine. know I thought it was tough in Michigan. I came here and I'm like, it's ten degrees colder all the time. Yeah, you know, it is. at least you know from say fall to spring. Sure. So, uh, are you? Uh, so you're up. I'm trying to think. How far are you from Green Bay? Uh, complete other side of the state. Green Bay is uh, pretty far north, and also on the east side of Wisconsin. Yeah. So that's so it's like by, north north of Milwaukee. Nor it's by Lake Superior or Lake Michigan or something. Uh, yes. So did you you moved over to? I guess we should probably introduce you to everybody. We got twenty thousand people listening to us, and they're probably going, "I don't know who the hell this guy is." And so I, your first <laughs> name is David, and I'm going to probably butcher your last name, but Laudermilch. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's right on. And you are the you work at SNS. Uh, that's your vocation, but on the side you do your mill tracing, right? And you make those yeah, yep. badass tools that I have a bunch hanging on my wall. <laughs> Every time you make a new tool, I want to buy it. So. I appreciate that's, that because you're not breaking anybody's balls when you're making those tools, and they work really well. Are you there? Yep. Yeah, I was just oh, saying okay. that you Sorry, know you're, I you're, you cut out for a second. Oh, thank you. That's you know I I've been making them tools. I need to make some new stuff. I kind of just haven't had another slam dunk idea yet, so I kind of just been sticking with what I got and kind of working on just keeping the printers rolling and getting better at that for the, right. for the time being. But 
yeah, I you know I'd run that at night and during the day I'm building engines at S and S or doing whatever whatever they need me to do really. But how did you uh, how does one end up at S and S? I mean, so walk me through. Uh, I'm gonna guess you're probably a little younger than I am. You're probably in your 30s, I would imagine. Uh yeah, I'm 30. Okay, so you just turned 30. Okay, so I was just looking back through the DMs, and you and I have been communicating back since 2018. I bought the first, uh, I bought one of your um, twin cam uh, runout, crankshaft runout tools, and I've got one of your M8s now, and I think I've got one of your XL kits as well. Um, I'm a sportster nerd. I I really like sportsters. I think they're fun. I've got one that I've uh, I've built a couple of big ones for for customers, and then I've got a chopper that I have been working on you know, since Christ was a carpenter, it seems like trying to get this, that, or this or that done to it. But I really want to hot rod the motor up. So how do you, uh, how, tell us about how you got into the business and kind of how you ended up at S and S. Well, um, I guess I started, I can't, so I went to school in Ann Arbor at Washtenaw Community College. Okay. And they actually have a motorcycle program there. Yep. So instead of going to like MMI, you know, spend twenty grand, you go to you know Washington and spend like five, five to ten grand. Actually, probably not even close. But um, so I went to Washington and I was always in dirt bikes and motocross stuff like that growing up, and uh, that was kind of I wanted to you know work on dirt bikes, right? And right. as I'm going through this program, I'm realizing if I wanted to work on metric stuff. I have to work on snowmobiles and, you know, jet skis and all that shit too. And I didn't want to do that. No, you have <laughs> so, to, if you're up there, you're going to have to, if you're going to make a living, right. you're going to have to. Oh, totally. And I didn't want to do that. So I, as I'm, you know, going through the school, I thought, well, I'll give Harleys a shot, you know, screw it. What do I got to lose? So got my state certification for working on bikes and, and, uh, got in at, um, uh, chopper shop in roseville what was the name of it for, uh detroit choppers oh yeah <laughs> if you know them guys i uh, worked there for about i was only there for about three months but they were really good guys they gave me my first first wrench job and they were awesome to me and i was there and you know i was driving from waterford to roseville every morning it was about an hour and a half drive and then i would drive from roseville probably about three nights a week i would drive from roseville to ann arbor to because i was still in school and then I would drive home at the end of the day. It was like the worst days ever. But yeah. uh, after about three months of that, I'd had enough and got a job at ABC Harley and worked there for, I was there for about three years. And that was kind of where I really got into high performance, dyno tuning, stuff like that, and drag racing, even drag racing. I never thought I'd ever drag race in my life until I was working there. That's interesting because a dealership <laughs> back in the day, a dealership was definitely a good place to do high performance stuff, but uh, lately it's not. I mean, a lot of these dealers are selling their dyno, dyno machines, and they're you know they're just under this immense amount of scrutiny and this really you know strong uh, what do you call uh, a a microscope to where they absolutely uh, unequivocally can't their hands are tied. Oh yeah, no, you know, and that that it was bad for a while. So like the 
the motor company was definitely on us uh, because we didn't sell Screaming Eagle hop-ups, really. We didn't sell a lot of them. You know, we did. We sold a lot of T-Man hop-ups, what we sold. Yeah. And we did a ton. I mean, we'd do 200 tunes a year, I think, we were doing. And, you know, half of those were probably stage ones, and half of them were, like, 107 kits, man. We did a lot. And, uh, yeah, when things got crazy with the EPA and Harley-Davidson, I can't remember what year that was. That was probably 2016, 2017. Um, all that went away, like, in a bad way, real fast. Yeah, I you know, we talk about that a lot on this podcast because I have a lot of different people on here, and I have people that, uh, that are – I don't have anybody inside the motor company per se, yeah. but I have a lot of friends in this industry after, you know, 17 years here and a lot of people that do a lot of different things. And there's a lot of people with a lot of shitty opinions of what's going on. And there's a lot of people that talk out, of, you know, talk out of the both sides of their mouth. But I really feel like Harley went around um, kind of, pointing out what everybody else is doing wrong, like kind of a tattletale. And once everybody else was gone, the only person left or the only people left for the EPA to direct all these people that were looking for things to be done wrong was, Har was Harley. And so I feel like they've created this, this little monster where they're, you know, and they, you know, I'm very, very critical of, um, I'm very critical of Harley Davidson publicly and I'm very careful about how I do that. And I'm, I'm very mindful of it to where it doesn't prevent me from ever getting an audience with them, hopefully. But I just feel like Harley Davidson is not a motorcycle company. I feel like they're a t-shirt company that sells unfinished motorcycles and they rely on the uh, aftermarket to, you know, kind of fix a lot of the issues that's going on. And, you know, you work for arguably the first and the biggest and one of the best aftermarket companies in the industry that is a problem solver. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd, I'd agree with everything you just said there. Um, I, I kind of think that's what makes them great, though. I won't lie. <laughs> you think that's what makes the Harley Davidson, the brand, great? Yeah. I mean, I, they're great. This. I don't want, you know. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to buy something that's perfect. I don't buy new things, right? Nothing I buy is ever brand new. It's always old used up crap right and i like to fix it that's my thing right so for me and of course i am like the exception right i obviously harley davidson's not making a lot of money off of me these days but you know that's my thing that's what i like to do i like something that isn't perfect you, you know the one thing though i'm not going to pay 20 grand for it <laughs> no i i i think what you're um i think maybe i, I conflated two things i was saying that uh so I'll go, let's back up. You're, you said you're 30. So I'm going to go back 17 years because that's the, right. that's the space that I occupy professionally in this, in this career that you and I have in this industry. And 17 years ago, you were 13, right? So you're, Oof. you probably don't have the, 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 the grasp of the way things were back then. But so, no. you know, SNS was producing, uh, their, crate engines at an incredible rate and that was the benchmark and you had companies like tp that built a great engine you had companies like merch that built a good engine you had companies like ultima that were a copy of a copy of a copy and uh, to be 
to be fair, you know, we use a lot of Ultima in our shop just based on the fact that we have a good relationship with the guys over there and we have good luck with them. And um, we don't really have uh, any, con you know, I don't want to say we don't have contacts in SNS because I don't want to besmirch SNS at all. Um, there, to me, there are, that's the benchmark, right? That's the iPhone, that's the Rolex, that's the Yeti, that's the, when you talk about branding, and quality, you're not you're getting the total package with SNS, you know. Yeah. You, you you guys have you guys have, and I don't want to make this into a commercial for SNS, but I, what I'm saying to you is that uh, SNS has um, a good tech department. They've got plenty of, of resources in you know I mean longevity. 1955, right or 57? One of those it was right around that era a year that it started that George Smith started the company and. And so you get the full package. I mean, there is there is, in the industry in the aftermarket, they're as big as the heart is is the motor company is. But what I was what I was getting back to, and I know I've gotten off track a little bit, and I gotta, I want to bring this back in, is that Harley Davidson sells an unfinished motorcycle kind of on purpose, right? And they rely on a lot of other people to kind of come to the table with some innovations. But when they went around complaining about SNS building engines that weren't forty nine or fifty state legal they kind of created a, an arbitrary relationship. Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, I know that there's bad blood between Harley Davidson and SNS. I don't know the whole story about it, but I know, you know, there's a reason that they call Vance and Hines and not SNS, right? Sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're totally right about that. I mean, it's definitely, it's tied our hands up pretty good too. On a daily basis, um, you know, I mean, obviously, I can tell you back in, you know, in, in 2003, 2004, the the level of um, engines that were coming out of the, the, the motor shop over there was just, it's staggering the amount of uh, engines. But what is, what is the, what is the main staple now? Is it, you know, because is it the, the big bore kits? Is it the cams? Is it the, you know, I mean, how do you... You, you said you build engines for them. Are you building production engines or are you building like spec engines? No, I build all of our race engines. That's kind of my thing there. I, I only do race engines really, or wow. I'll, I'll do, you know, I, I work in, in engineering product development. So, you know, it's, I'm either doing race engines or maybe I'm doing, you know, disassembly of something that's brand new and kind of benchmarking everything, or uh, maybe I'm helping somebody tune something that's really weird and out of the ordinary. Um, that's kind of my thing. I do a lot of really weird stuff, right? That's, that's my thing. Do you get a chance to get on the dyno? Yeah, sometimes. Um, I don't really tune much anymore, but uh, I just did a bike last fall. Actually, it was through the whole winter. It kind of took me a while. It was a Super D carbureted Sportster. It was 103 cubic inch. It was a big stroker. It was like three and five inch four by like five inch stroke, something stupid like that. And the thing just ran like shit. And it was a land speed bike, and uh, it was for for one of our vendors actually who owned the bike. And I, it took me quite a while to make a lot of parts for it. And we actually sprayed it too. It we had the nitrous kit on it. So I <laughs> yeah, I can tell you from Detroit when you call it when you say we we sprayed it. A lot yeah, of other people. Yeah. I hear it called NOS everywhere, and it just makes me want to vomit. We used to call it, you know, I, I spent a lot of time street racing before I got into the Harley game, and we used to we used to street race all the time in Detroit, and we'd oh, call yeah. it either we put the we sprayed it or we put the jug on it, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But yeah, man, I, I tuned that bike up over the winter. It came in just running horrible. I was like, oh my gosh, what are what are they, these guys getting me into? And by the time it left, I mean, it made 100, 150 horsepower on, on nitrous. I think it might have been like 155, 160, something like that. And I mean, it was good to go to the track. It was dialed. I nice. probably spent too much time on it, but it was nice. I was proud of that one. <laughs> so when you're, when you, when you say you build the race motors and stuff, are you in a situation where kind of, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Now, do you have a, a conventional mechanical engineering degree as well as the training you have at Washtenaw? No, no. See, I'm just, I love that I'm just, about our industry. Our industry recognizes talent when talent is there and they don't just reward based off of, uh, off of a piece of paper they reward off of merit and results and when you're a results driven industry which we are a very results driven industry uh, you can get a good job and have a good career and have a great reputation and do big things like you're doing and and have the room to do that so it sns obviously i mean there's some trust there and they they kind of cut you loose huh yeah a little bit uh it's you know definitely experience you know for this kind of the kind of work I do experience is really, really important. Um, education is also important. I mean, you definitely, you know, I call myself a dumb hillbilly, but you can't be a super dumb hillbilly at least and do this kind of work because, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of make good decisions based off of previous bad decisions, you know, because <laughs> if you just cost spoken like a drag racer, money, they'll never trust you. Yeah, exactly. So, have you done any of the stuff? I, I'm, I'm dying to talk to you about a couple of things. Right. I'm dying to talk to you about M8s because we're seeing some people get some incredible dyno numbers from M8s. And I want to also ask you, how come there doesn't seem to be, and maybe there is and I don't know about it, but why isn't there an engine dynamometer that is universally accepted like the Superflow is for automotive why isn't there a good engine dyno company for motorcycle engine that's a great question um i would say mostly i would say an engine dyno is a hell of a lot more complicated and expensive than motorcycle or than like a motorcycle chassis dyno like from dynajet right also you kind of run into things where fuel ratios and stuff like that can be you know, it's hard to get parity and like equal results about through a lot of things, right? Uh, when I think about a dynamometer, I don't really think about it as as uh, like this. You know, when I get data, it's not it's not uh, like this is it. This is the data. This is the real data. Everyone else's data, you know, is wrong or anything like that. It's always you know, there's nothing wrong with using. A Superflow dyno, like an engine dyno with a motorcycle, you just got to make the right adapters and all that. Yeah, it just doesn't see. It. We're getting weird audio. Um, you are that you keep coming in and out of. I just I'm I don't know if it's my, on my end or your end. Um, yeah, I, I my thing with the dynamometer is is I you know uh, back in the day, I always thought a dyno an engine or excuse me a chassis dynamometer made the most sense because you're actually finding out what it's producing at the rear wheel and like you said. There's different things you can do with uh, multipliers through the gearbox. And, you know, Burt Baker said something to me one time that was brilliant, and I never thought about it this way until he said it, but he goes, there's three transmissions on a motorcycle. 
you have the gear ratio in between the engine and the primary. Then you have the gearbox ratio, and then you have yep. your final drive transmission. He goes, so there's to a guy like him that I don't know if you're familiar with, with him or if had any personal dealings with him, but he's a really high order thinker and he's always processing. He can process what you're telling him very quickly. And he puts that he's kind of like a computer, you know, a computer uses ones and zeros, right? When you yep. give Burt Baker information, he's processing it all as ones and zeros the way he understands it. And he processes things very fast and he comes up with um, a hypothesis very quickly. And he can almost, you know, when it comes to driveline stuff, he can almost test it in his brain, kind of like how, you know, an engineer would test something on a tube. And mm -hmm. it's very interesting. So using a chassis dynamometer does does make a lot of sense. How many of them do you guys have at SNS? So um, in our Viola, we have two facilities. We have one lacrosse, one in Viola. We have, we have one engine dyno, and we have one... Dynajet chassis dyno, and we have two Superflow chassis dyno. Actually, three Superflow chassis dynos if you count my Pro Stock dyno, which is, it's actually a chassis dyno converted to be an engine dyno. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> See, you guys do use an engine dyno then. See, I didn't know that. I we always... use one for durability testing and okay. and uh, it mainly actually just durability testing, but there, sometimes they'll run other stuff on it. Um, we ran a Pro Stocker on it as like a, we just used the electric motor to turn the to turn the engine over. Actually, sure. we we're testing some oiling issues and some other stuff. But um, most of the time, things are checked on a chassis dyno. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, when I a lot of people like to talk about dynos and and debate about dynos, but I you know I never really care about dynos. Dynos are only the tool that teaches you what you need to learn to go to the track, right? I'm looking at ET and mile an hour more than anything. Mile an hour, to be honest with you. I look at 60-foot times and mile an hour. 60-foot times tells yeah. me what you're doing down low, whether you're hooking up or not. Because if you're not hooking, it doesn't really matter how much torque you're making. Right? Yeah. And uh, your mile an hour tells you your horsepower almost unilaterally. Right. Or at least your horsepower to weight, right? Sure. I mean, we, we found that uh, back in the day, those Moroso slide calculators actually were pretty damn accurate oh yeah yeah i mean that's what that's we had to go awesome. on in the in the 90s i mean that's how old i am is we didn't have i mean you know we were doing this without a lot of data there wasn't the internet you couldn't google something you couldn't call if you call bullshit on something you better have a better answer than when the one you just got because you couldn't vet that yeah you know the, the way i think about a dyno is kind of like you want to see a good number you don't want to see a bad Right. But you don't want to live and die by the number because the number doesn't really matter when you think about it. It, it doesn't matter. It's just a number. And, you know, I, one thing I, I like, uh, you know, George Bryce, George Bryce and Greg Dahl are good about that. You know, the number's a number. Who cares? Go to the track, run it. You know, they're selling time slips more than they're selling numbers. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. It's tough to get a customer to understand that because they want to pull that dyno sheet out and brag at the bar. You know? Yeah, but it's like bar stool racing, you know. Yeah, but we're not racing bar stools. If we're going to go drag racing, we're going to we're going to go to the track, and you better have. That's the thing about racing, right? You got to have the whole package. You could have all the horsepower in the world, but if you can't hook it, 
it's fucking worthless. You could have all the horsepower and hook it, and if you can't drive it, it's worthless, right? Yeah, you know, or if you're just making power in a range that isn't even usable for a street engine, you know, you don't have, you don't even have to think about it in just racing, but you build a street engine that makes, you know, 140 horsepower, but it's in an unusable RPM range. Who cares? Right. Yeah, I'm always looking for, number one, I want it to start easy. Number two, I want it to have a decent fuel economy, and I want it to have some drivability. Outside of that, if you want to make power, we can do that, but you're going to be, you're going to give up one of those first three things I talked to you about. Yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. I mean, even I, I my street bike is just a 98-inch Road King, you know, twin cam 88, and uh, with an it's ba- or it's yeah, ninety-eight inch kit. I think it's basically all S and S bolt-ons, and it ain't perfect, but it's pretty good. It makes like it makes like one hundred and nineteen horsepower in the dyno, which I was surprised at that. But that's a lot. That's more than one horsepower per cubic inch. And I'll take that. That's that's some pretty effective volumetric efficiency. So let's walk down this road real quick. You're a drag racer, right. and you're into you're building a lot of. Where do you sit on personally between a carburetor or EFI? Well, <laughs> I love carburetors. I won't lie, man. Carburetors are awesome, but, you know, everything has its place, right? Carburetors are great because they're, they're simple, they're easy, they're, you know, as long as you know how to tune a carburetor, you can run carburetors and you'll probably do good. But, yeah, you won't have the drivability, right? I like, I love a metered air leak. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> I said car. I love my metered air leak. I love carburetors, and I fucking hate. I'll say this on record: I am not a fan of Makuni carburetors whatsoever. That is the most overcomplicated thing that anybody's ever tried to put on a Harley Davidson. I will take a SNS Super E or Super G any day over any one of those. And I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you. I just that's. I like a butterfly carburetor with a couple of metered air circuits, and if I need more, I'll I'll put Thunder Jets in it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you're gonna laugh. I I actually like the Makunis; they're pretty good. I used to run them on my on my street bike uh, Sportster, 88 inch Sportster. I mean, ran it actually ran really smooth, really good. I never had problems, and you know, the SNS carburetors are pretty good too. It's just the transfer is not always so smooth and. That's the complaint, well, you know, right? They could use another circuit is really what it is. Do you think that it doesn't atomize it enough? Because when we built uh, Cody's FXR, we had DaVinci put an annular discharge nozzle or discharge booster in, our, uh, in, in, the, in the main circuit for that. And it seemed to that, – that bike runs out. Hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, that might, that might help things. You know, I, I just noticed on my bike – my road king the transfer isn't as great isn't isn't that great you know it ain't bad and of course i'm probably running a little too beneath the on it but yeah i, I, I undercarburate I my like motors big too. carburetors <laughs> see i'll i undercarburate on purpose uh and the reason why i do that is i like the low rpm signal and so yeah. i'll run a smaller carburetor with a thunder jet on it because i'll get the low rpm signal and mm-hmm. on the big end i'm not gonna i'm not gonna run out of fuel yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, you know, I'm stupid like that. I put big carburetors on stuff. I don't know why. I mean, <laughs> well, just, that's just how I do it. <laughs> they work at wide open throttle. They work at wide open throttle very well. 
yeah, I think they work okay at low throttle too. I mean, I don't really need a, a big hefty grunt at low throttle. At least I never have cared for it, but I, I don't know. That's just how I always did it. You know, I always get good fuel economy. It runs good enough and makes the power I want it to make. Fantastic. So I want to talk to you about M8s. And so I want to just hear with, with me, without me prompting you for anything, I'm just going to say M8 and just you give me, I don't care if it's a two minute or a five minute or 10 minute, talk about M8s. All right. You're going to laugh because I've never even touched one. Really? <laughs> um, I've, I've looked at them, you know, just parts and whatnot. You know, I, I'm not actually involved in our Milwaukee eight, any of our Milwaukee eight business, but, uh, I see our heads. I, we're working on CNC heads right now. I don't know if we have them out yet or not, but I know we're working on them. Uh, I've seen the cranks. I've seen cases, and there's a lot of potential to those things. I think they're, I think they're pretty good. You know, I don't know that I want one at least yet, but overall, I, I think they're going to be in a good package in the future. I'm not a fan of going back to single cam. I think that's stupid, but because of the valve angle. Um, well, there's a couple things. I mean, I guess you're kind of stepping back in time to the Evo, Evo cam style, right? Right. The twin cam is actually really good geometry. And the cams are big and they're super strong, you know? Believe it or not, the twin cam is probably better than a sportster as far as, uh, you know, cam and pushrod geometry. Really? You're the first human being I've ever heard say that. That's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better about my 2016 lowrider. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, I just, I've had this conversation with uh, my good friend Greg Dahl recently, and, you know, he he actually told me that. He brought that up, and I said, you know what? I said, you're right. <laughs> the more I think about that, you are dead on right. And, you know, that's why he, he likes the twin cam package a lot. And that's why part of the reason his twin cams are just unreal. And so you run, you said you had a 98 Road King, so that's an Evo, right? No, it's 98 cubic inch. I'm okay. sorry. It's, so it's, it's a it's twin cam. Okay, so it's 02, so it's got the good left side bearing in it. Yep. Gear to gear. What's that? You run gear driven camshafts in that, or are you running chains? No, I'm running chain drive. So I, I, that thing is, it was the perfect bike. It was exactly what I wanted. It was carbureted. It was a road king. It was 2002. So it's good crank, good bearing, you know, on bottom end. And uh, I literally just put an SNS. I put SNS CNC heads on it. I did a 98-inch kit. put a Super G on it. I put, like, the TC3 oil pump cam plate. Oh, yeah. Um, easy start cams I put in and I put a Bassani exhaust on it and a teardrop air cleaner and that thing is a ripper man yeah I would imagine for being, that's for being an old turd it's I think it's pretty cool well if it's making 119 exactly. horsepower that's pretty goddamn good <laughs> that number caught me off guard I, I took a picture of the screen I sent it to my buddy Colton like, dude, you got to check this out. He goes, that dyno must really like you. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Let's see the smoothing numbers on that. Are you doing that in third gear or fourth gear, <laughs> right? Oh, fifth gear. Oh. Just run it in fifth gear. Right on. Yeah, I, I run everything in fifth gear. Yeah. 
it's one to one ratio in transmission. It's what makes sense to me, and that's what I've always done. Um, even in the six speeds, I don't like running fifth gear. You're right. Just run fifth gear, and you know, I there's a lot of guys. I, this is why I hate talking about dynos. There's a lot of guys like to fight, and I'll go too. You know, just stand next to it, pump tire up, blow a fan down the intake, you know, and make another ten horsepower, and it's like. You know, it's bullshit. It's a bullshit number. Yeah, well, and that's only good for if you're going to bar stool race. So, how long have you yeah. been at SNS now? You said you came went there in 2015. Yep, yep. So June, June of 2015, late June. So I've been there about five, five and a half years. So you're working at ABC Harley Davidson in Waterford, Michigan, and yep. and they hear about the, all the awesome things you're doing, and you get this phone call, and they're going to send the corporate jet over, and they're going to pay to have you move over there. <laughs> And they're going to pay you a couple hundred grand a year to put the race program together, right? Yeah, no, that's not how it went. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it go? <laughs> uh, I was slinging batteries and tires in the in the trenches, you know, and and uh, no, it was just one night. I was actually on the SNS website. It was after work, and I'm dreaming about buying a Cast Pro stock one day. I was like, I want to buy a Cast Pro stock. I want to build a Cast Pro stock. That's all I want to do, you know. And uh, as I'm on their website, I thought, yeah, I'll look at their careers page and see, see if there's any sweet jobs available. And sure as shit, there's a job called Race Apprentice. And I remember reading that, that job description, and I about freaked out. I was like, I'm qualified to do this. I was like, holy shit, I, I got to update my resume. I got to do all this shit. I got to... You know, that's a, that's a funny, that's a fun feeling, isn't it? God, that was awesome. I was up all night, uh, updating resumes, sending it over, you know, filling out the job application. It was a, it was crazy, man. And they called me first thing the next morning. They called me. I couldn't believe I actually got a call (laughs) and, uh, for the next week. And it was about a three week process of, I did like, I think two or three interviews. I don't really remember, but. And I ended up getting a job, and it was awesome. And then the next step came of trying to move, and that was hard. But, you know, my dad my dad was huge. He helped me out big time with getting that done. It was, that was a big job because I took all my tools. and I mean, I didn't own a lot of shit, but two small U-Haul trailers. That's a, that's a fair amount for a 25-year-old man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I got a lot. It's mostly tools. It was like tools, my bed. And a TV, you know. <laughs> and uh, we moved all that shit. And, you know, I was able to find a house, you know, that I could rent while I just got here. And, man, I did it. It was, it was great. I got to work, you know, I, and I met all the guys I was working under. Uh, Justin Bramstead was my boss. And I was working under Steve Rominski, if you ever heard of him. He, he used to, he worked for, he's worked for a lot of people, but. Um, he's worked for a couple of top fuel motorcycle teams, a couple, couple top fuel car teams. And, uh, you know, I got to work with them guys and that's kind of really, that's more of my education than my education at Washtenaw. That's amazing. So when that Washtenaw program started, that was started by some dudes who left Brighton Harley Davidson. And, uh, we had some involvement with them very early on through, uh, JR Cycle Works when it was in Plymouth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember those guys' names. They were super cool, and we were super excited that they were doing that because it was uh, 
it takes a it, the scope of putting together an educational program is something that at that point in time I wasn't familiar with, but I've since become very familiar with it because when I moved to Florida, I started a an automotive program at a local public school and taught there for a few years. But um, that I I have a lot of faith in that program, especially after talking to you and knowing where that program started, and you've been there five years now, and so you're not an intern anymore, right? You're, I mean, you're kind of, you're one of the dudes. Yeah. 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 Actually <laughs> it's crazy. I kind of, yeah, I feel like I'm like one of the last dudes because a lot of the guys that were there when I started aren't there no more. And, uh, so like Steve Raminsky, he actually works for Greg Dahl now. And Justin Branstead, he's, he's running his own business, uh, out of his house. He, he does, uh, you know, repair or machine work, engine building, stuff like that. He, uh, his company is, just torque it if you ever heard of him. But he's in Viroqua, Wisconsin. Great guy. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of kind of took on all the work that everyone else was doing when I started. And, you know, I'm just kind of doing what I can and getting her done. Yeah, my friend uh, that works at SNS is Scott Hakens. Oh, I know Scott. Yeah, yeah he was Scott's just great guy. Yeah, he's a fantastic dude. He was just here the other day, as a matter of fact. He's a good dude. <laughs> yeah, he probably was just in Florida recently. Yep. He's one of my favorite dudes to chop it up with because he and I have known each other long enough and known all the same people long enough that we have some really good stories to tell. Because another friend of mine that runs, uh, he is the brand manager for Twin Power over at Tucker V Twin, James Simonelli, uh, worked mm-hmm. for SNS for many years before he went to Baker and now he's at Tucker. So, yeah, I've heard James's name come up a lot. I've, Never met him, but I, I know of him. Yeah, he's a great dude. And he's here's what I've found. Everybody that, that I would credit SNS with this, that everybody I've ever met that actually worked at SNS and spent a little bit of time are some of the most adept people that know the product line. They just know their product line. And I just have I, you know, hats off to them because Scott can help me out so much. Uh, when I'm, you know, and he's not a guy that I'm going to call and go, Hey, what do I do? I'm going to call a guy and go, Hey, I think I'm going to do this. And he'll go, don't do that. You're out of your fucking mind. That's not what you want to do. You want to do this. You know, he's got that fucking accent. I, I just, I love the guy. He's so honest. And, and, you know, it's not hard to find honest dudes in this business, but it's also, it's not easy. It's, it's easy to find dudes who aren't as well. So, you yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. There's, there's some good the good human beings that orbit around this. And there's another friend of mine that knowing now that you worked at ABC Harley Davidson, this person that I'm going to tell you the name of, you probably know pretty well too. His name's Gary Burton Jr. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know Burton. He's awesome, man. You ever seen his iron head? Yeah. Hell yeah, I have. I'm the one that built that and sold it to him. Oh, no shit. The brown one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The one that Burton's he broke awesome, his. Man. I think he's out of Motor City now. He is no. He is, he's completely out of the business. What's he doing? <laughs> he is at a guitar store selling guitars. Oh. That, you know, here's the thing about Gary Burton, and, I'll, you know, people are probably going, I don't give a fuck about who Gary Burton is, but he's a mutual friend of mine and yours. I've known Gary since he was in college. I bought that bike from a guy out of his mushroom cellar in Plymouth that bought that bike brand new from Southwest Harley-Davidson in 1968. And... I wanted that bike so bad and I was building it for myself and Gary just kept on, kept on. And I want it, 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 I want it. 
and uh, we put a deal together and he ended up buying it. He had it four days and shattered his talus bone when it kicked back on him. And still to this day, walks with a limp and he wanted me to put uh, electric start cases on it. And I told him I wouldn't do it. And so it went over to Stevenson's cycle down in Wayne, Michigan, and they put uh, they put electric starter on it for him. But I was I refused to do it because I thought this is a this bike shouldn't even be ridden at this point. This should be put in a glass case. It's a Carlini bike. We have all the documentation from the day that thing left the factory, and obviously without those cases in there anymore. And he sold those cases, and so the, the bike just doesn't have. It doesn't have the the proof of pedigree, if you will. That you know, and I, I'm into shit like that, dude. I you know, I don't have my foreskin still, but I if I did, I'd have it framed on the wall. You know, I I keep shit forever. I'm a hoarder. <laughs> As many people in this business in this business are. So it sounds like you got an amazing gig at SNS. I mean, you're obviously with uh, the biggest, most premier drive train company in our in 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 our business is that somewhere where you is that somewhere where you can just kind of i don't know i want to put you on the spot here is that somewhere where you can hunker down and and just stay you love do you like wisconsin yeah yeah no i i don't plan on moving anytime soon and you know unless they kick me out of there tomorrow and even then i don't i don't know that i'd move right away but I actually like it out here. It's you know it took a while to get used to it. It did take a couple of years probably to get used to it, but man, this place is awesome. I, I don't know that I want to be anywhere else but here. That's good. And you still you still you get to get. Do you go back home ever? Yeah, I haven't in the past year or so. I mean, I was actually trying to plan like a week long trip this summer. I was going to ride out to Norwalk for the NHRA race, and then I was going to ride up see my mom for a couple of days, and then ride back to to wisconsin here but it didn't pan out with uh coronavirus and all that yeah what a problematic shit show that was and now i mean i I guess that you know getting parts even parts that are made here in the states um it's it's so hard to get people it's hard to get people to understand that it's hard to get parts (laughs) and at the same time (laughs) where everybody is selling everything to the walls i mean there are a lot of people getting into this hobby and getting into this, you know, it, for some people, it's a hobby for some people, it's a job for some people, it's a business. Some, you know what I mean? There's, there are different, very different spaces that a lot of different people occupy, but ultimately it's not waning in popularity. It's not losing. We're not losing any people through attrition. And I, we're seeing more and more younger people, you know, these guys that are buying these dinas up, you know, we're, you know, I would be lucky at 22 to try to find or 25 even to find a sportster that was for sale for a decent price. Now you can buy a Dyna for two or three grand, you know, put some tall shocks and some tall socks on, get yourself a lane splitter and start doing fucking wheelies. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why new bike sales are so bad is that the old bikes are really good. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of, okay, so let's, let's unpack this. Um, please tell me that you watched the, the King of the Baggers race. Oh, hell time. yeah. And you so know, we, we built that bike there. I, I wasn't involved in that project. Unfortunately, I was really hoping to, but I was just, I was busy with our flat track team. I didn't get a chance to work on it at all, but, uh, no, that bagger race was super cool. <laughs> Are you involved in any of the awesome. Indian stuff? What's that? Are you involved in any of the Indian stuff? What do you mean? 
are the Indian engines? I mean, if you're doing flat track, are you doing flat track Indians or do are you just yeah. doing SNS? Yeah, we run the factory flat track team out of SNS. I don't know if you know that. But, I don't. So there uh, we go. Breaking so news. Breaking news. They ride, you know, for the SNS team. You know, Dave Zanotti's crew chief. Okay. And uh, yeah, I build all the engines for that team. So that's kind of what, what I've been doing a lot of. So what do you think of the engine, the Indian stuff? Uh, the FTR 750 is pretty, pretty okay. You know, there's definitely small things it needs, but overall as a base package race bike, you know, like it's, it's not a production race bike, but I think SNS, we built like, I don't know, we built probably 60, 70 of those things. I, I don't really know how many we actually did, um, when they released that bike, but I mean, that thing's pretty cool. Um, I haven't really got a chance to dig into any of the Indian models. I really want to get get into the Challenger, dude. I'm I'm literally as as you're talking. I wrote down Indian Challenger. <laughs> I want one of those so effing bad. I have. Yeah. I I want one. I don't know why. I I'm a Road Glide fan. Like I love Road Glides. I had a 2017 Road Glide and I traded it in to get my uh, my Dynalo rider. And uh, I want a freaking Indian Challenger so bad, you know? I think they're really cool. Uh, they're, I'll tell you what, they're huge. Like, like not just the bike, but, like, the engine is massive. It's like a small car engine, you know, because <laughs> the, they don't have a tube frame, right? What they are is they're a bunch of pieces bolted to the engine. Um, so if you, it, say you blow up an engine, you don't, you don't really swap swap the engine you more of like swap the whole bike onto a new engine <laughs> right yeah what do they but call it don't uh, they call that there's like a monocoque name or a monoframe chassis or something i just think they're bitching dude oh dude i think they're cool as hell I, I you know i've seen some of the some of the components out of them and they look beefy they look very durable uh, I think they can do a great job on that bike, if I'm being honest. I think it looks great, too. Dude, you, know? you get 120 horsepower, right, out of the factory. You get an inverted front end. You get twin radial mount Brembo calipers in the front. You're getting a monoshock in the back. You're getting, uh, uh, you know, it, arguably, uh, here's the complaint that I hear. Uh, the hand controls are cheap. It's like a Kia instead of a, you know, instead of a, a Ford or a, or a GM or a Chrysler. But I think they're fucking rad. And I think there's lots of potential. And if you watch that bagger race, you had Indian comes in first and third. Yep. Uh, one of the M8s um, broke. The PM bike broke a um, the the rocker the, the rocker support or the where the, the rocker shaft goes through broke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, and they're pushing these things hard. I'm not ripping on any of it. They're pushing these things way, way hard. And so I, I think they're fucking cool. And I think that racing series is going to be rad. I yeah, think we're going to see a I lot think, more of it. I, I thought I heard them talking that they were on the, on the commentary that there was going to be more next year, which I think would be great. And yeah. the, the way, the way social media is blown up. I mean, I was, I was just talking to, Joey Gladstone today, actually, if you know him, he's a NHRA pro stock racer. And he was asking me about it too. And he's like, man, he's like, that was so cool. He's like, I hope they do more next year. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that the, the buzz around the water cooler 
of the people that didn't get invited to the party is that there is a lot of opportunity for some outlaw classes in that in some some regional races and some regional class racing that you know a bagger class for drag what we're thinking is you know there's going to be kind of a circle track street course drag race kind of the king of the hill kind of deal you know oh kind of like how ama used to do it exactly you know, a long time ago yeah like make it be you know because two years ago we were at the v2 visionary show in sturgis and well not two years ago but in 2018 so two sturgises ago and i was talking with jeff holt and he was interviewing me on uh, there at the show and he's like well what do you you know you've been doing this for a long time you're into the hot rod deal with you know you like muscle by you know the performance harleys and that whatever you want to call it back then he's like what do you think i'm like dude these bikes are great you can see there's a lot of parts on these bikes that are making you know supposed to make it stop faster handle better make more horsepower let's instead of just having a, a, a fucking uh, a contest where everybody rides their bike in and it looks performance let's have some let's have a race let's drag race 300 let's do 330 foot drag race because you still got to launch it and you know you can shut it down and then let's do or eighth mile if we can and let's do a road course let's do you know let's do a braking you know we'll put what do they call that where they're they do where they're checking that they have a competition to see what breaks the shortest right you know i've never heard of that no there is they <laughs> when so when you're doing it's not like a competition like you'd have that competition but when motor trend um tests a car or when you know oh gotcha you know what i mean when the motorcycle yep. cycle world checks a car the skid pad that's what they call it so they put it on the skid pad and they measure how far it takes to stop from you know X number of speed, you know, 80 miles or 60 miles an hour, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It'd be fun to try that with like a semi truck and a smart car. <laughs> See what the difference is. <laughs> and have some sort of a, uh, sort of a, 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 what do you call it? Um, uh, some weird metric where you measure like power to weight or whatever, you know? <laughs> so yeah, you're some sort of proportion yeah you mentioned earlier that you kind of ha you kind of fell into drag racing kind of by accident it's not something you really plan to do so let's talk about that what is your drag racing experience personally like what you know do you have a drag bike what's the fastest you've gone where you know do you go to Milan? did you go to Milan dragway yeah so i started running out at Milan. um <laughs> my first my you know my first exposure was at the dealership and uh, a couple guys from the dealership where they were going out to these, you know, races on Right. Uh, yeah. We'd go and I just went and watched for, you know, for a while. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. Maybe I should try that. And, uh, I had my first really decent street bike was a Suzuki SV 650. Super slow, super turd. And, uh, <laughs> I took that out of the track and, just started launching that and riding that and i got bored of that so then uh i traded in and bought this sports that came in on trade at, at uh at abc and actually it was kind of probably worked out for them and it worked out for me because it was it was really hopped up and needed some work because it, it had some issues and, sure and it, it, <laughs> this guy had like 30 grand wrapped up in this bike i'm not even kidding I mean, this thing was cool it looked like like a flat track bike 
if you if you're familiar with Stores Performance, he had like oh, yeah. everything stores on it. Yeah, so it had that really <laughs> cool back cheap. end with the uh, with the seat that kind of was very flat track looking. Yeah. It had it had literally like everything out of Steve's catalog. And uh yeah, so I bought that thing for like I don't know, seven grand or something and it had an eighty eight cubic inch sportster in it. So Damn. I Is that an Axtel? And popped it up a little bit more and took it drag racing, you know, and that, you know, I was mostly just ET racing and that was around the time I started SNS and after being at SNS, yeah, I didn't, I haven't done much racing since I've actually been at SNS just because there's no, there's no drag strip nearby. There's nothing nearby, you know, you got to drive hours to get to one. So, you know, I've been working on a different Sportster for a while. I bought, basically, I just started with like a frame and a front end. And just started piecing things on, and I eventually built a running 1250 for it. And I basically pieced everything together out of spare parts, and I went and ran. I don't know. I've run a couple nationals with it, and I never did great. I'd run like low 11s, and uh, I blew it up on the dyno. Actually, I was <laughs> I was testing some uh, some oxygenated fuel. You got to be careful with that shit. You can detonate the you melt them pistons, man. You know, it was actually running really good. I was up like five horsepower. <laughs> you know, like that's what everybody says. It was running. Good. It ran better than it ever did right before it blew up. <laughs> well, what happened was, so it was a completely stock Sportster bottom end, right? Okay. Like I never pulled it apart, nothing. And uh, <laughs> the crankpin nut on the pinion shaft side just backed off. And the crank literally split in half. <laughs> <laughs> It broke everything. It broke the cases. It broke the rods. It broke, you know, the heads. I mean, everything was broke except, like, the cams and the push rods, luckily. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So basically, I just scrapped the whole engine, and I said, well, I got this 103 that I've been working on for a couple of years. I was like, I'm not going back to the track until this thing is done. Because this 103 engine is going to be unreal, I hope. It'll either be sweet or it's going to just blow up. I've been working on it for a couple of years and it's one of them things. It's like every single part is custom. Every single part, it maybe it's custom ordered. And then I got to modify it more, you know, to make it work. Oh, a typical drag race motor. Oh, dude, this thing's nuts. It's stupid. How do you, much do you still have I've that 80 inch, in, that 88 inch? Was that an Xtel, that 88 inch? Yeah. Yeah, it was actually. And you know, I, I had uh, taken the top end off cause I had, I had crankcase issues with it. So I actually took the top end off and I sold the top end. And uh, it was some stuff I'd put together actually at SNS later on. And it was some guy in Iowa, I can't remember his name, but he, like, he got hold of it like six months later. He's like, Can you put more of these kits together? This thing is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just wasn't interested, you know? Right. But. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm hoping to get to the track next year. I'm gonna trying to be back at the track. This this bike that I'm working on right now is it's it's a lot of work left to do. I mean, I'm I basically got to design my own EFI system and whatnot, and uh, my own manifold and all that. I'm gonna 3D print it. Yeah, I like watching like when you post up all the stuff that you've done with your 3D printer. Uh, that's awesome. My my nephew has one, and uh, it, to to watch some of the stuff that that 
you guys have the ability to do uh, just based off the fact that, you know, uh, just being creative, you know? And that yeah, stuff just yeah. kind of blows my mind. <laughs> it's, it's fun, man, you know? And the, the models I have are relative, they're pretty cheap models. Um, but, you know, you work on them enough, you can get them to really make some nice parts. Um, you know, Justin Collier is another guy. If you know Justin, he's he's pumping out parts all the time, and his stuff is looking really good right now. I'm jealous. <laughs> no, I don't know who he is, so I'm going to have to look him up. Oh, man, you got to look him up. He's So he's – I, I kind of got him into getting some 3D printers a while back, if I right. remember right. And then he got this – cnc router and this thing is so cool you know he, he's sending me pictures and videos all the time i was like oh man i gotta get one of those and you know a couple months later i got one and oh man those things are great for like guys that are at home trying to do their own stuff it's awesome but yeah you gotta look him up he's a interesting guy i mean him and i talk every every week sometimes every day you know and we're always sharing tips and tricks or whatever shit we're working on so am I looking at this right? You have a sun and hone in your garage at home. <laughs> yeah, that's actually yeah, pretty much. It's I don't. It's actually not at my house. It's okay. What I do is I have a small area, shop area at my buddy's house, just because I don't have a room at home. Sure. And uh, my buddy Skippy has got got me a little bit of space to work at his place. But yeah, no, I did have it in my garage at home for a while. <laughs> that's awesome. I restored it. I bought that last summer. I mean, it was just a total pile. I think I paid a couple hundred bucks for it down in uh, Indiana or Illinois. And uh, I restored it over the winter time. And I've used it a couple times this summer. I, I need to work harder on generating some business for that. But it's a great machine. I'm thrilled with it. I'm just loving it. Dude, your intake manifold. I'm looking at some of the stuff that you've printed. I just... It blows my mind that you can build something like that. And so will uh, obviously a plastic intake manifold's not going to work on a race motor, right? Or it will. Well, you got it's about material choice at that point. Um, obviously, the material that I printed that in will not work. Now I do have some engineering grade material. It's a uh, it's actually a PA six nylon. Right, and that should handle a race engine no problem. Um, what I'll what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna print it and then I'm gonna paint it with a like a two part epoxy paint to seal it. Gotcha, gotcha. And it should be should be a hundred percent fine to run. So that's actually something I'm really excited to do. You know, only because I've gotten a lot of people saying I'm crazy for trying it, but I, I mean think about it like this the milwaukee 8 manifold is made out of the exact same material sure in factory yeah i mean it's, it's just a, not it's, it's just not printed and i i think i had a customer who had one that got so hot that it melted yeah we had one at work too that happened that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> you know your version your your definition of awesome and the customer's definition of awesome are probably a bit off from each other i i'm i must say but yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, it's no. He was probably really pissed, but you know, for me, I was just walking by and I'm like, God, why does it smell like bonfire in the shop? <laughs> right. Oh God, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, man, we did an hour long, 
And uh, there's some, so, oh, see, I just found a new, damn it, I'm just going to spend some money with you here because you have the valve train organizer. I was just talking to one of my employees yesterday about wanting one of these, and now you have one, so I'm going to have to order that too. Oh, yeah, man. I've I've made a couple of them. I haven't I haven't gotten a lot of them out there yet, but it's, it's actually really good. I sent a couple out to a couple of guys and said, hey, try this out for me. And every every one that I've talked to actually did like it a lot. I, I set it up for big valves, big springs, big you know, trying to set it up for big stuff. So you know, you well, can let use me it for tell you what happened. Anything. I, I actually have a another another version of it that I use for you know pretty much anything for valve at work. Well, let me tell you what happens here. So on a pretty regular <laughs> basis, we've got a situation where we'll pull a bike apart. And it'll sit for a week because we're waiting on a customer or waiting on parts. And so if we had valve train organizers here in the shop that would hold four lifters, four push rods, um, that would be, that would be about perfect, you know? Yeah. So put that, put that, you said you were looking for a new innovation. There you go. I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy four of those off you if you print them up. Because I, I, you know, I want to be able. We've got an engine. We're we're trying to develop our own uh, engine program here, and by I use that term very loosely, not an engine program like we're trying to set the world on fire, but we want to have an A motor, a B motor, a couple Evos, and an M8 that are ready to go here. That got you know they have they've been rebuilt. They've got cams, you know, or they've got an upgraded cam in it, or you know, just a little bit of work so that customer can come in and swap it out. Right. And so we're not uh, sitting around for we're waiting for, for stuff, you know, and that way we can yeah. have cams on hand and build a motor and it's ready to go. You know, you give us five grand and we'll swap it out and we keep your engine. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. So it's not a bad idea at all. You just got to be careful about what you take. in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You don't want to be in the same situation that uh, Harley was when SNS was doing their uh, their rebuilds and people were giving them cracked cases and every other problem they could in the world. And I took advantage of that when it was available there for a year or two. So, I remember that program. That program was awesome for us. It was great. <laughs> yeah, when I was in the dealer, man, we did we did a lot of reman engines. I mean, just because it was affordable, really. It was. They came out with the is it the long block program after that? It was total shit. Yeah, it was nowhere. It was never as good as what it was when it came out. So yeah, I, there was something with SMS and Harley on that. Yep. I there was Harley Davidson. I I'm sure there was some sort of a problem. So, <laughs> well, listen, man, I'm going to cut you loose, let you go to, uh, hopefully you're going to go to your garage and you're going to make something cool for us to look at on Instagram. And, uh, if you guys want to follow David, you can go to Milch racing on Instagram. I would highly suggest you go check him out. And he's got a he's got a three D printer and he does a bunch of bitch and stuff and you can send him uh, we'll we'll get these people sending you tech questions in your Instagram feed so they drive you crazy a little bit but <laughs> yeah so. man just hit me up I don't sleep <laughs> <laughs> very good you got and I'm looking at the Instagram you, you look like you're from Wisconsin you got the beard and the and the and everything going so you you oh, fit yeah. right in up there buddy oh yeah guaranteed. All right, man. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I wish you all the best. And uh, let's let's keep in touch. Yeah, man, it was great talking. Thanks for thanks for having me on today. All right, buddy. All right, see ya. Bye.
listening to the Howard Mills Podcast with your host, Jason Coleman. Thank you for listening. 